0: and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Predestination, directed by Michael and Peter Spierig and released in 2014. If you haven't seen Predestination, we will be talking spoilers in this episode, so it's probably best if you go and see it before you listen to us if you don't want to be spoiled.
1: In fact, I would say for this movie in particular, stop listening to us if you have any desire to watch it. Go watch the movie and then come back and listen
0: to us. All we'll say is you should watch it. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so a little bit about the plot of Predestination. A time-travelling temporal agent on his final assignment must pursue the one criminal that has eluded him. Right. Um, So can I just say something about those plot summaries, right? You know how every week we talk about them because sometimes I use yours and sometimes I steal it off IMDb? Yeah. So. I couldn't get a good one for predestination, so I decided I would cheat and go to um, at the movies with Margaret and David and borrow theirs, except that I went to borrow theirs and theirs was just copied and pasted from IMDb. <laughs> and I was so excited by this. I see. that I Yeah, anyway. So even the quality ones don't write their own. No, and um, I, I tweeted about it and I atted at the movies and they favorited the tweet. <laughs> I see. <laughs> anyway, sorry, you can start talking now.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Um, Okay, so predestination um, is uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it, there's absolutely no way to talk about it without talking about the main conceit of it, which is that everybody you see, all the main like the th- three main characters that you see are basically all the same person. Uh-huh. There is a person who is born a girl called Jane. She grows up, has a baby, becomes a man. Then goes back in time and impregnates herself and has her, the baby Jane, and then becomes the time agent who uh, is chasing himself, who is from the future. So that's the basic, like, that's the whole story of this movie. So now you've been properly spoiled if you didn't listen to us before. Mm. But there's like, there's no way to talk about it without talking about that because it's the central conceit of the movie. And to me, the reason why this book was unfilmable Mm -hmm. Um I liked this movie. Yep. But this book was unfilmable. I think they did the best job that they could mm-hmm. with good source material. And it still came out not very good, and I think that's because you can't believe that Sarah Snook and and um, Ethan Hawke are the same person because the round face, skinny face thing. Yeah, and like a bunch of other stuff. I yeah. mean, I thought she kind of looked like a Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, so when that's she was exactly a boy, what I thought. And Emma Stone when she was a girl. No, I, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought. But. Um, Yeah, no, like there would be casting things that you could do to make it better, but you still probably wouldn't believe it, Mm. especially not since they actually went to the trouble of having Sarah Snook play both the girl version and the boy version, Mm. because then it made it all the more jarring that she was then Ethan Hawke. Mm. And I do think that they did a really good job. The performances are good. It's well-directed. It's really engaging. I wasn't bored at any point, Mm. even though I figured out what was going on fairly early.
0: See, yeah, and and Jelly and I were the same. I actually, I'm not sure it's a big deal to not figure – that you figure it out. I don't think that's the entire point.
1: I did like when there was this there was this music note, like a dung note, when uh, Ethan Hawke stands up towards the end of the movie and you see that he's got the scars. Yeah. And there's that note and I'm like, surely this can't be a surprise to anybody at this point. No.
0: Like, we all know. Well, I see and, – and then they do it at another point as well where S- uh, Sarah, when she's playing John in the bar, says, when I was a little girl – and Ethan Hawke does this double take. And we're like, that was, that was quite obvious because – She does a really good job playing both a man and a woman, but she's not really a trans man. So there are certain things about her that remain kind of hard to change. She does as good a job as you can do. I actually think everything from the neck up is terrific. Mm. like yeah the shoulders are kind of wrong
1: yeah when when it kind the it biggest off. problem is whenever she puts on a suit, her costume in the bar is actually quite good, mm. and if it like it looked to me like a trans man who was just starting out, yeah, but, you know what that's I mean true she
0: could' have been early transition or something yeah exactly
1: like I mean it was fairly obvious that she, that she the the actress was a woman, but I thought like she did a good job of that, and that costume kind of worked for her mm. but the the suits didn't work. The suits look no, like she a looked joke. like a
0: she looked like a fifteen year old boy because her shoulders were too narrow, yeah, yeah and it's funny because she's actually an actress with quite broad shoulders for a woman for a woman yeah <laughs> and and tall as well, but I don't know it just it they did the same thing they made this like done note like this was a big surprise that that um. That this guy used to be a girl, like no, yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's another
1: point. Oh, when you find out, when you first see that John bumps into Jane, yeah. So John bumps into Jane, and there's another one of those notes, and you're like, we figured that out. Like early on, I was like, it might be either herself or Ethan Hawke. Yeah. But then I realized that Ethan Hawke was her. Not long after that, and I was mm. like, "Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah." The baby thing was where I realized that. But the oh, baby was, stealing something like it that. It was
1: earlier than that, I think. That, but mm. that doesn't matter because basically you figure out everything fairly early. But what I That's thought, fine. <laughs> I thought it was much more interesting to actually watch Jane's journey,
0: <laughs> yeah, than to try and figure out what the plot twists well, were. And, and this is what I'm. This is what I was trying to say: is that I don't think it matters that you figure that stuff out because I think you meant to. But what it has to say about gender and this character journey and stuff like that is far more interesting i think
1: the problem is that you can never i could never suspend disbelief enough but I'm also the girl who was a little kid watching Mrs. Doubtfire and going, but it's obviously Robin Williams. Mm. So for me, like, I have a certain way of looking at things, I guess, where I'm like, but you can't not recognize them. Mm. This is ridiculous. And so for me, I just thought I didn't think you could film it properly. Yeah. I don't think there's a way that you could film that adequately. No, not unless, to make it not unbelievable. unless also- your actor
0: actually transitioned and then got their face burned.
1: <laughs> Yes, not unless that. But even then... There's this thing about uh, how he doesn't know what he looked like then
0: mm.
1: or something. And I was like, but you would
0: recognize yourself. I would have thought you would. Right. Al- although Jane wouldn't recognize John. And that's at that point, we're only hearing it from that perspective, like because John hasn't gone back to meet her yet.
1: Yes. so But even then you would know, you would meet somebody who looks like she doesn't look that different. Mm. <laughs> she looks different, but it looks like they might be like brother and sister or something. Mm. So
0: surely she would be like it's weird how much well, he looked like especially me, especially spending so much time together. But I think part of the pathology of the character was that she didn't like looking in mirrors and and even as when she had transitioned when he had transitioned, he didn't like looking in mirrors. So that, I think there was some kind of something about not not wanting to see them themselves, but Yes. there it is. It a was really with, odd. That's another one of those things where you have to kind of suspend disbelief. Also, when you start <laughs> thinking about like the giving birth to herself and all that kind of stuff, like at some point there has to be like an original baby. Somebody somewhere had to have given birth and made the original genetic material. Like the cycle nope. had to have started somewhere. Nope. That's the whole point of the movie.
1: The whole point of the movie is that it didn't start. It started, she was, uh, <laughs> she was herself the whole time. I'm really reluctant to use he- because the transition wasn't her choice.
0: Yeah. Well, that's this is the thing, isn't it? And this, is, I, I think that's where all the really interesting questions came up for me is around, like, so Jane is intersex and she's transitioned to male against without her consent. Mm. Basically, doctors do it without, a, as a result of a cesarean section gone wrong, which is, you know, this part, the first part of it is believable that the, the cesarean section went wrong but the latter part that they complete a full transition on her behalf without her consent is less believable. Well, no, I mean, they don't. <laughs> the,
1: okay, so she is born with full two full sets of organs, which is not, I don't think, possible for a
0: human. She's intersex. It's It's possible to be born with someone. No,
1: it isn't. And this is what I mean. I don't think it's possible to be born with two functioning sets. So she can both make sperm and... And be impregnated. Yes. I don't think that's possible that's for a it, human. They say in the movie beyond. it's one of a kind. Yeah. And I don't think that's something that, that we've ever found. So I, as, a, as far as I know, because I did all of this stuff at uni, and as far as I know, that's not possible. Right. There are intersex people who have, like, some of both, mm. but there aren't any people who have two full sets. Right. Right. If that makes sense.
0: Okay. That, that means I'm, I, that kind of changes my view of it a little bit, but because I just sort of viewed her as an intersex person who was, because to me, that was some kind of commentary on how people, people who are intersex are often assigned at birth. Well, it doesn't make me wonder, because this was
1: obviously written around the time when it was set, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So around the eighties, probably. Yeah. And it was a really good idea for the movie to keep it in that time period. I thought that worked well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yep. it wouldn't work now. You couldn't do it. With, it was definitely a movie that went through each time period, and you recognised each time period, and there yeah. were certain things that wouldn't happen
0: now. Well, you know, any, any intersex and trans people in the sixties and seventies were really pioneers,
1: right? And so, but the thing is, yeah, that particular. Characteristic, and I assumed they were hand waving it away by saying because she impregnated herself and gave birth to herself, that's why she had the two sets. Because that's never actually happened. Yeah. So the theory here, the science fiction theory here, is that if that happened, then this is what it would produce. Interesting. That was my theory on it. Yeah. Because that's the only way I could I could make it okay Mm. in my head.
0: Yeah. And you couldn't. You also you couldn't have it the other way around, because if if she'd been born with the male characteristics expressed, she'd never have given birth. And so, there would never have been an excuse to have surgery, which is, again, why I was thinking it might be some kind of commentary on the way we other and objectify bodies that are, uh, that are not normal. Uh, that's in, I say that in inverted commas. So, like if she'd been born expressing the male characteristics, she'd have just been defaulted. Now, the other thing that I
1: think is, is the case, based on my own, you know, background knowledge, is that they usually assign female They usually assign female because it's easier because the female is usually more developed because we start out as Mm. XX. So, like, it's easier and it's simpler. So, a lot of them can't reproduce but are assigned female. Yes. And and Um, this is what I'm saying. But,
0: but you generally, often with generally without their consent because they're babies. And so, parents and doctors make a decision to assign one way or the other rather than letting the child grow up and make a decision themselves when they've developed fully right which does make me think that the author of this story who
1: I'm not sure who that is I'm sorry I didn't do any research um the author of this story probably heard about intersex and trans people at the time yep came and then this came to mind right yeah like this sort of idea of well what if this happened based on that idea and it's interesting and it means that it's something that we haven't really seen in movies before and it means that we get that amazing performance out of Sarah Snook who Mm. is just terrific in this um But yeah, I just think that's where that might be where it came from.
0: Yeah, okay. I'm, um, I'm, I'm like Wikipediaing as we go. All I can remember about the short story is it's got the ti- the word zombies in the title, and I'm thinking it's using the word zombies in the um uh, only lovers left alive sense of yes. zombies. Yeah, that's what I humans. thought of as well. That was There's my... a quote at the end of the movie mm-hmm. that says
1: something about all you zombies.
0: Okay, yeah, ah, uh, yes, yes, there is. Um, so it's a short story published in the fifties. Mm. Yeah, there you go. No, 1958 was when it was first published. It, it, I get the idea that he met – yeah, you're probably right. He's probably read some magazine article. It was just at the time when the very first cases of um, people transitioning their genders was were, were reaching public attention. Well,
1: um, when was Ed Wood? He was around the same time, wasn't he? Um, yeah, maybe like a little six, earlier. Yeah, that's what I thought. He was around the same time. And Ed Wood was uh...
0: – well, at least a cross-dresser and yeah, made a movie I, I, about I a trans person. Yes. He did. Yeah. Called Glenn or Glenda. I've seen it. No, no. I'm, I'm just saying I didn't think Edward ever transition, though. I no, no, no. He, no, he cross-dresser. didn't. Yeah.
1: He was a cro- That's why I said he was a cross-dresser, mm. but then he made a movie about... So he was interested in that mm. sort of thing. So clearly it was... And also, um, come to think of it, there's that focus on the true confession stuff. Mm. So maybe that's where the original author read it. In one of those yeah, true confessions. Yeah, one of those Because true... the story has
0: that kind of feel of a true confession thing right yeah yep one of these something that would be really um, sensationalized in one of those true confessions you can imagine a a daily mail or someone like that taking a story like this and just splashing it all over the place yes
1: but i think that it the movie does a really good job of not sensationalizing it oh yeah the movie does a really good job of and and i think um again sarah snook is part of this of portraying jane who then becomes john as like a real person Mm. Who has real characteristics that follow her through? Mm. Again, I'm going to focus on calling her her because she transitioned without her consent, mm-hmm. and I f- it feels like she never really wanted to be a man.
0: Yeah, I get. Th- I, yeah, it's it's really complicated because I want to use the correct pronouns, and obviously she's dressing as a man, living as a man, so it's kind of awkward. But yeah, you're probably right. That, as, as a matter of as as there was no consent, maybe that's the way to. Either it. that
1: or we're going with G and J and I'm not going to say that for the whole
0: uh, Yeah, whole and I, I will refer to John or Jane as yeah. to whether, who I'm referring to.
1: So, Jane, she definitely goes through that transition without her consent. They start it without her consent, but then she sort of goes along with it. It seems like she's also somebody who does what she's told. Yeah. Um, that's a character trait of yeah, hers.
0: Yeah, well, again, I thought that was some an interesting comment on female obedience and um, the idea of, that she'd been institutionalized, right? So she was – this is another thing that could only happen in this time period. She was raised in an orphanage, and so she's really been institutionalized. So she's kind of downtrodden to the point of she'll just obey.
1: Yeah. In terms of the characterization, I think it was really good and really consistent because all the things – all the type of person that she was made her journey – Makes sense. Yep.
0: Like, she was kind of a violent kid as well. Uh, can I just say, I related so much to little Jane. Like, I used to get in trouble for fighting and things like that and also always just wanted to read and and um, beat everybody. Like, I just – I really did relate to this kid.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, So, sorry, But so that sorry. makes sense because she becomes – that like, her job in the future kind of matches those, those interests mm-hmm. and, and those yep. – character traits that she had when she was younger. I was fascinated by the whole and horrified by the whole prospect of her going into space
0: and being a companion for the spacemen. Oh God, that was awful, wasn't it? So this is 1958. This book was written. You know what well, that is contemporary with? That's Kinsey. That's that okay. era of like, just predates the um, sexual revolution and all that kind of stuff. So there's probably a lot around about gender.
1: One of the things I really enjoyed about this movie was the aesthetic of it. mm. Like, it was this very smoky kind of drink-soaked aesthetic that was really fun. Yeah. Um, I I thought that was really well done and Mm. well put together. And the 60s stuff is really neat. Yeah. (laughs) Like, everything's all those bubbles and and, uh, the, um, I don't know what kind of mod dresses that she was wearing. And her hair was great and everything was really Mm. cool. And you're so into her story as well. Yeah. I think also when it becomes his story, it becomes less interesting the stuff about the fizzle bomber just wasn't that exciting and also the way it's shot as well because they're trying to keep up this mystery of oh who is this and who is that and all that sort of stuff you can tell that because they're trying not to show you you know who it is yep and that is
0: weird and frustrating well I think um I think it kind of circles back to what we were talking about at the start is that they're actually trying a bit too hard to make the plot twists appear like plot twists when they're sort of easy to figure out and also kind of not the most important part of the film at least not to me because I really quite enjoyed it yeah I guess there's that I think I think
1: it just comes back for me to the fact that even though they did a good job of what's probably a good story it isn't doable yeah you can't do it and have it be totally believable. You can't do it and have people suspend disbelief enough for it to sell. Okay. So, uh, or it didn't sell enough for me. Oh, okay. Um, even though the story was really interesting. I also, I got really bored when it was just Ethan Hawke.
0: Okay. I did not get bored at all. It's a short runtime anyway, 97 minutes. But I, I will probably actually tell people to go and see this. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I think like, people this should go great. and see it. Go see it. Like, wow. And, and it's Australian. Other than which, it being American. Yeah, well they do the whole thing in American accents except for Noah Taylor, who just can't manage one. Oh he's so bad. It's so sad. <laughs> but I didn't like Sarah Snook is Australian and but I didn't know that until the end. I did. Well you'd yeah, be at the end she starts to talk too fast, and I can tell that's Australian because we do it. And I listen to us every week and I know we talk too fast. And so then then I could tell, but I didn't actually know at the start. I kind of assumed the the pale skin and red hair I don't know there seems to be a whole bunch of Australian actresses who are really pale and kind of redheaded yeah no I knew she was
1: before I went to see this I didn't know it was as, as Australian as it is with basically Ethan Hawke only being the American
0: yeah and it's got all this screen Australia screen Queensland money shot all shot in Melbourne and they've scrounged together money from everywhere the oh the brothers the Spearig brothers the directors I don't actually know anything about them I've never heard of them before I I remember hearing their name. I couldn't tell you what else they've directed.
1: Mm. I think they might have directed Daybreakers,
0: oh, like the other Ethan yeah. Hawke
1: low budget, which I kind of want to see as well.
0: Yeah, I've wanted to see that one.
1: May have also been shot here, actually. I'm 90% sure it was. Yeah. So that that's clearly what they do. But... I think yeah, there's there's a lot of really good things about it. Yeah, I don't think Ethan Hawke was the best. He does a good job, but he doesn't sell it quite the way Sarah Snook does. No, he's he's she outacts everybody else in this movie. Yes, but a lot of the time that's fine. But when they're on screen together, it feels like it should be closer. Mm. Although there's something really
0: sweet about his love for himself
1: yeah. or herself.
0: Well, there there is actually. It's kind of nice. It's. And this is what I mean about there being more interesting things in there than actual plot twists. Like there's um something in there that's very interesting about self esteem and believing in yourself, and quite literally, like looking back on your younger self and wanting the best for them. It was very sweet. Yeah. Odd that he fell in love with himself. Well, yeah, that's a bit weird. Like, well then, then I started, and she fell in love with that's. Herself. Then I started thinking about that because it's got this similarly um not great view about really smart people as Lucy, right? In that she's so smart that nobody else likes her and the only person who will fall in love with her is herself. Yeah. It's a bit like if you
1: think about it too much. I don't think it's only the smart thing. I think the fact that she likes punching people might also have something to do with it. And she was talking about how there was always something odd about her and she didn't feel comfortable with herself and which – I think it's not just about the fact that she's smart. No. But the fact that he goes crazy, so John goes crazy at the end, that's more alarming to me. Mm. But then where else are you going to go when you know that you impregnated yourself with yourself? Yeah. Like (laughs) it's, it's a really, really weird situation to have to deal with. Um, but- I do think Ethan Hawke did his best performance as crazy old Ethan Hawke. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> that, was <great. laughs> that was great. Every single second that he was on screen, I was like, this is terrific. <laughs> More of him, please. Yeah. Mm. He was so nuts. Yeah. He was really sort of letting it all loose there. You are correct, by the way. The Sperry Brothers did direct Daybreakers. Way I- to go, my brain. Clearly, they're very talented people. Yeah. I just, like, after you figure everything out, I, I think after he leaves Sarah Snook behind, mm. I didn't enjoy it as much, apart from Crazy Ethan Hawke. After that, and the ending is so abrupt.
0: Yeah, it just stops, doesn't it? And in um, I went to where I went to see it, they just put the lights straight up. <laughs> it was really, really
1: disorienting. Yeah, no, the ending is just like bang. That's it. Yeah, I understand that they were not trying to give us any easy, easy answers. Yeah, however it was still much too abrupt. They should have had mm. some sort of fade out something that like, mm. even just some flashbacks of little Jane or something like that. Yeah. Because ba- basically I think little Jane was the best part. <laughs> I, I was much, I was so, I was so engrossed in her story. Yeah. Um, that I forgot to fig- think about the mystery for a while. And I think that's good because the mystery may not be the, isn't the best part
0: of the movie? No, maybe. I was really engrossed in like teenage Jane. You know the age she was when she gave birth, when she was Sarah Snook.
1: Oh, I think I, I meant all of the Jane, yeah, yeah, all like her stuff. Basically, yeah. up until she became John. Oh, I know. I was yeah, really that into was it. the
0: most fascinating part of the story. And well, the whole bit where um, even knowing what happens, John feels obliged to do exactly the same things he did the first time around. Like, what, why wouldn't you try and change? I think that's the whole, that's the whole point. Yeah. It's
1: just like <laughs> it's the whole point is that like, does he think that certain things just can't be avoided? Mm. Which is like, meh. I yeah, I don't know. It's not my favorite view of time travel. Right. Well, no, but it's one of the most interesting questions that time travel raises. Yeah. Like, are there fixed points in time? And the end of the movie, the whole point of the end of the movie is that you can't just answer that question that 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 you can't just go, yes, there are certain things that are unavoidable unavoidable or no, you can change things. It
0: doesn't ever want to answer that question. Well, no, that's true, that's good. But as part I as part of why I enjoyed it, because it gave me so much thinking time and you know how I enjoy thinking time when I'm at the movies.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean it was it was there was a lot to think about in it. And there was a lot of interesting sort of story and a lot of interesting ideas. I think Basically best uh, expressed through Sarah Snook and through the aesthetic of the movie Mm. and not so much maybe by other things uh, like the mystery and the Ethan Mm. Hawkness of it. Cause there's no fricking way I'm sorry, there's just her chin is little. Yeah. She has this little chin. There's no amount of plastic surgery that can change your face so much that it goes from what her face looked like Which is to really what round what his face looks like.
0: Yeah, I know. And he's he's got this like emaciated but he's also got a really narrow face and hers is she's like a little really round face, especially when she's when she's John, she's got a really like round face, like you said, yeah. Leonardo but, DiCaprio. But I mean, the
1: face the face worked really well they as a man. probably couldn't afford
0: Leonardo DiCaprio.
1: That's true, <laughs> but he would have been a better casting choice to match up with Sarah Snook. And obviously, you're going to try and match Sarah Snook and not not because even yeah, no.
0: But yeah. I can't even imagine what they must have gone through to find her. Like I I I am not familiar with anything else she's done. Well,
1: maybe that's why they they did an like, open casting call and they went, "Wow, yeah. she's
0: great." She was
1: amazing, like they really, wow. She was I mean, uh, yeah, this is what everybody's talking about, this great breakthrough performance, and she is a great breakthrough performance. Mm. Like she's totally and she really sells Boy John.
0: Mm. Yeah, she's doing a great job. Like I probably um just because it's fresh in my memory. I I I like her playing a man better than um, the boy clone on Orphan Black, which is another like amazing actress doing a really good job, but she's really selling it. I think, to be fair to Tatiana Maslany, I have a feeling
1: that Sarah Snook had a lot more time Oh, and probably a lot more
0: training and a lot more work was done in order to make her to do it. But like, And uh, they actually did make-up that worked for
1: her, yeah. <laughs> whereas poor Tatiana Maslany had to deal with those dreadlocks. Oh, I know. So she did – I think she did the best she could on – it's a on TV the, show yeah, yeah, where she doesn't have she a had. lot of – Yeah. I, I don't think she had quite as much time to get into it. I bet if Tatiana Maslany was given a role like this and enough time to do it, mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. probably would be similarly talented.
0: Yeah, so um, – Sarah Snook has been around in a few Australian things, but, but yeah, this is a breakthrough for her. So I'm I'm assuming they found her through professional sources, not like an open casting. But Okay. Yeah. it must have been actually finding an actress that could cope with that. Because that's yeah. like Tilda Swinton esque kind of performance that like you've got to be that. Literally she yeah, yeah, did yeah. it in Orlando. I, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I can't think of you there aren't a lot of actresses who be up Blanchett. to it. Yes, yeah, she did it in
1: Dylan. Uh, I'm
0: not there. Yes, she, that's right. They're, they're, exactly. They're, that they're both like hugely talented and famous and experienced actresses. Like this is the kind of performance you need. But you need somebody who can possibly be 19.
1: Um, the hair thing as well. Her hair as a boy looked bad. I, I don't know why. Did, it looked like a wig. Yeah. Well, it kind of. It probably was. It probably was but, a wig. Um, and I'm like, why didn't? Why wouldn't you just cut her hair? Yeah. Film it out of sequence. I don't know. Because that would have made more sense, I think. It didn't look right. Yeah. And that was another thing that didn't quite sell it, which is a problem because everything else... I mean, she was doing the selling of it, right? Yeah. You could at least help her out with the hair there. Although the makeup was
0: perfect. Oh, yeah. No, that was amazing. And there but- was something about her lip. Like, her top
1: lip <laughs> didn't look like a girl's lip. No. But then there's this thing in her... This is the other thing where I was like, there's no way she wouldn't recognize herself. She has a little, like, darker spot right in the middle of her bottom lip. mm and I noticed it throughout the whole movie and I was like, if you saw yourself, how many people are going to have that? Well, yeah, exactly. But and again, how many people are going to look that but, much alike with that particular, that yeah. such
0: a a, a a defining feature? But again, if she's I mean, institutionalized not and had Ethan access, doesn't have it. not had access to mirrors, and this is... And nobody ever took – that's the other thing. Because she's institutionalized and she was an orphan, nobody ever took photos of her or anything like that. So she probably doesn't have the same concept of what she looks like as, say, we do. That particular – yeah, I, I just – it just doesn't – yeah. It's like where
1: I watch Mrs. Doubtfire and Go, but he, they're his kids. Right. They would You would, would know recognize him. your own dad even if he's in drag. I
0: yes. mean, you
1: would that that's always that's something that will always bother me in movies when they try and sell you that kind of yeah. somebody doesn't recognize somebody else because they've got their cheekbones covered or because you know what i mean like it just doesn't work for me yeah um yeah. you could easily like cut off all your hair put on different makeup i would recognize you i see you every day yeah it, it it's one of those things where i'm like you would know yourself if you saw yourself
0: and i don't know if this is going to happen because it's such a it was a relatively small project. If this were a really big American film if Miramax had this movie, Sarah Snook would be up for an Oscar campaign because like the one of the most guaranteed ways to win yourself an Oscar is to try, is to like play the opposite gender or at least get a nomination. Yeah, it would be should, great if she did get a nomination. I I sincerely hope she does because it would be just, would be well deserved.
1: It would. However, there's something that i've been noticing lately and it kind of bothers me. Yeah. We're constantly seeing new breakout actresses, right? Mm-hmm. But we only get—they only get like one or two good performances,
0: and then they kind of go away. I think we tried to talk about this. We were talking, I think, about Shailene Woodley and Jennifer Lawrence and people like that, and the amazing young talent that's around. And it's that—it's what happens. Hollywood takes women when they're really young, and it gives them maybe five good years of performances, and then it spits them out. So, like. There's a whole bunch of actresses who were huge 10 years ago who are now like, oh, wow, I haven't seen her in years. I wonder what she's doing now.
1: Yeah, and it's, and it's really interesting. really sad. I, I mean, I genuinely feel like the current crop of actresses are just insanely more talented than, than like generations before them. Okay. Right. Like yeah. I just think there's a whole lot of them coming through at the moment that are all really crazy talented. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I watch a lot of older movies and there's not a lot who are
0: quite that good. Mm. Well, there are a lot of good actresses. There's, there's a few, but yeah, like sort of in the older generations, there's only like one per generation. Like there's a Meryl Streep and a Tilda Swinton and a Kate Blanchett like that actually sort of cut through and stick yeah, around. Yeah, I,
1: I feel like they're also not the kind of actresses that I'm thinking of though. They're like character actors, which, which actresses, oh, which you're, I you're think Sarah of, Snook could yeah. be. I'm thinking of like blockbuster stars. Mm. I think the current blockbuster stars who are girls are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you go back and look at like a Julia Roberts type person, yep. who I think is the closest sort of in sort of match, yep. she's not quite as talented. No. And I like Julia Roberts, but I just don't think that she's as good an actress no. as a lot of the girls no. who are but coming like, through now.
0: Again, she goes and she was on top of her game for probably fifteen years, but then she got chewed up and spat out by the machine. Yeah, it's really sad because she's not like. I, I, I agree, she's not like a Shailene Woodley level of talented, but she's she's really good. Like, there's nothing. Wrong with her, but she kind of got caught in a system that just doesn't have a niche for you once you're over about forty, and you're like, they there's that whole thing. I think it's um, is it First Wives Club with a line about there's three ages in Hollywood: babe, district attorney, and driving Miss Daisy. Possibly, and they they just don't know. They've got these this crop of women who are huge stars only five years earlier. But now they can't cast them. Well, firstly, romantic comedies have died, so they can't cast them in romantic comedies anymore. Or as the young ingenue, and all they know what to do with them is make them like the mum, or yeah, like district attorney, or dead.
1: Yeah, I I always felt like there were three ages in with women in movies as well, but it was different ages. There's the uh, teen love interest, mums, mm-hmm. and grandmothers.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, but it's the same kind of thing. Like, yeah.
1: But the yeah, the thing about the district
0: attorney and the what was it? Yeah, uh, babe, driving Miss district Daisy. attorney, driving Miss Daisy. So essentially, teen ingenue and grand barb and the middle-listed district attorney, but they also do mum. Like, but I think the, the idea being like, they're, you know, roughly the same. I and, think
1: for me, the bigger problem is the fact that they're all defined by their
0: relationships with
1: men. And that's why I would put it the way that I did, uh, because it's the love interest of the man, the mother of the man, the grandmother of the man. Yep. Yeah and
0: that so unless it's like a girl movie or yeah then she's the mother of the the girl like Laura Dern in um that 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 movie we watched with them um, Laura Shelley Dern Woodley. was great in God you well, yeah she
1: was amazing but and definitely elevated the mother role but then she got like that's what tv is doing now yeah but she that's, had that, enlightened. that's
0: why the district attorney thing because it's a tv kind of trope so a lot of actresses, if they can't, if they're not finding work in in movies or as a romantic lead, they can probably be, because Hollywood's big on this like affirmative action casting. It's why you always see black judges, mm-hmm. and in, so there's a lot of like women district attorneys in their forties, like doing the rounds of TV. Or well, there were, I mean, that this is from this is a twenty year old movie now. This First Wives Club, like yes, yeah. um, when we go on to
1: this topic of um TV being into affirmative action. I was talking about this yesterday. It isn't anymore. It's so much less prevalent to even
0: just go, we need a token black guy. I te- I, I'm not really watching a lot of TV lately. So I'm sort of going off you know show, shows that are probably a few years old now. No,
1: it's not just like, it's not just TV movies, did it? Like if you look at something like a Die Hard. Yeah. I don't know why that's the first movie that comes to mind. But Die Hard in its villain Group mm. was like, oh, we have to have a black guy and an Asian guy and all that sort of stuff.
0: And Bruce Willis partners it's... with a black cop,
1: right? Yeah. And there's also the Asian guy in that group, right? The good right. guys group. So like, there's that thing that 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 doesn't happen anymore. They don't do that anymore, and mm. it's because people were complaining about tokenism. But they sort of went, well, we don't want a token one, so we just won't have one at all.
0: It's such a it's it's such a stupid response. Which that the response shouldn't be that. It should be. Well, how do we make our char- our token characters better and not token? But mm.
1: anyway, we digress. There aren't any non-white people in this movie either. No. Like, I don't think there's a single non-white face in the whole movie. Nope. Um, Shot in
0: Australia, we're way more racist than other people. We're really <laughs> bad here. We really are. Let's go back on to digitation, shall we? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel like this movie isn't going to do well. And I feel like part of that is that... It's not been a very uh, – the marketing campaign hasn't highlighted the features of the film as much as it can. No. Although I, just... I do remember seeing the, um, the trailer of the movie and going, wait, is this about a trans man? Because <laughs> well, I remember that... seeing Sarah yeah. Snook in both roles.
0: Yeah, well, that makes sense. Well, the the trailer is very noirish. The trailer is actually great. The trailer is what convinced Jelly to come and see it with me last night when you said you have to go see this. We could talk about it on the podcast. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I, it could be marketed way better because it's actually really good. I feel like it's going to get some good word of mouth. I would hope so. I think if you go but and like, see it, it's really good, and I it's the kind of movie I'd rec- I'd recommend to like mainstream people, like a non nerd. I think that there's a couple
1: of niche things working against it. In that gender sort of exploration thing,
0: and also in the sci-fi thing, I don't know that it would be too much of a turn-off for in most of the circles in which I move. But yeah, I, I totally get that there are some people who might find that a bit difficult.
1: Mm. Um, I think there's a couple of things about this that make it like uh, you said it was like Stoker, and I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to spoil you. Yeah, but I think the same problems with Stoker might apply to this one which are that they're very much this kind of exploration of what it means to be female and, you know, that kind of gender thing might turn people off and also it's kind of a weird concept. Yep. And Stoker was also kind of a weird
0: concept. I actually preferred Stoker to this. Yeah, no, Stoker was a much more complete film. I, yes. I preferred Stoker to this as well. I When I was on Margaret and David and they gave it like four and four and a half because it's an Australian film and that's what they do. And I'm Which like, is
1: why I can't watch them anymore, by the way. Yeah,
0: I'm like, no, that's not what it's worth, you guys. You know that it's not that good. But I do, I would, I would, will still recommend this to people, especially because people – my movie tastes are so, like, geeky at the moment that most people I know who are just, like, regular adults don't want to go and see the things I'm interested in. So if I have to recommend something to people who are into more mainstream stuff, this is what I'll be recommending to them. That seems fair. I
1: am not going to give a particular hand particularly high mark but like i said at the beginning of the podcast i think two talented people have done the best they can with what was a good story and i don't know apart from recasting ethan Hawke, who i don't i'm, I'm being really mean to him i don't mind ethan Hawke. i just don't think he was the right fit for this i don't think they could have done much better with mm. the source material it's just that
0: it, as a story it would read great
1: Yeah. And as a movie, it plays poorly.
0: See, I I think it plays great. I I really actually enjoyed it.
1: Oh, See, uh, and again, it might just be my issues with I just can't buy into – I'll buy into, like, all sorts of stuff and I can't buy into this concept that, like – that, that Sarah Snook turned into Ethan Hawke and didn't recognize herself and mm. all of that stuff see so- too much is, this of a This is for me. This is
0: one of those things where you're very detail-focused and I am much less detail-focused, so I'm like, eh, I'll, whatever. It takes me out too much. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I get why people might find that a problem.
1: Yeah, because that was frustrating me in all the bar scenes where they were talking to each other mm. once I'd figured it out.
0: I hadn't figured it out in the bar scenes necessarily. Oh. so I think I was less bothered by that. Although I did love that, that at, the, um, at the end of the bar scene, he, they exit and the song playing on the jukebox is I'm, I'm my, my Own grandpa. grandpa. Like, really, guys, we know. <laughs> like, to me, at that point, it was, to me, obvious. She'd given birth to John's daughter, right? That was obvious to yeah. me at that point. But I hadn't worked out the Ethan Hawke connection. Oh, see, so yeah, I, yeah, I had figured that out earlier and then mm. I started doubting myself because
1: I was like, but she can't have turned into him because they don't look alike
0: enough. Well, the thing that, yeah, I didn't get tipped off to Ethan Hawke until the um, the baby snatching and the trench coat. And I was like, oh, the trench coat. Oh, so see, clearly yeah, no. my my preoccupation is with wardrobe and yours is far more intric- intricate. My,
1: I, I figured, I, when did I figure out that it was him? I think it was just me connecting the dots with me because of that thing where I wasn't sure if she had impregnated herself or whether it was Ethan Hawke. And then there was this moment and I don't I don't think it was anything that happened in the movie. I think it was just this moment in my mind where I was like, oh, because that is Ethan Hawke. He is Ethan Hawke. How cool,
0: by the way, to be able to like drink with yourself and have a chat it was pretty it would be pretty awesome every so often like this hypothetical does the rounds at a party or whatever of like would you sleep with yourself and i'm like yeah but i feel because you know you know exactly what you like right and i feel the same way about the whole it would be kind of awesome to the time traveling you from the future being able to I, I i think it would be awesome right which is why see, it i do but <laughs> that nice thing about how they feel really affectionate about their younger selves their younger self self Selves? Bo- selves. both oh, versions yes. of John feel really affectionately towards Jane, and and then older John feels really affectionately towards younger John. I think that was sweet.
1: Yeah, there was something really sweet about the way that Ethan Hawke and Boy Sarah Snook kind of played off each other. Yeah, that was really nice. Like the way that, <laughs> but the thing is that we find out that Ethan Hawke doesn't judge her, beca- doesn't judge him because he is him. But mm. there was something really nice about that right from the start.
0: Yeah. That it didn't, well, like, e- even the thi- bother him. That even recasts the whole thing where they make it a big thing about it, where Ethan Hawke acts all surprised, like, oh, I thought you were a guy. And um, it's almost like he's doing that to give John early in his transition a bit of confidence boost, now now that I think back on it.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially since everybody else in the bar sort of goes, oh, everybody knows. And yeah. You- there's, Oh, this is this freak. And you kind of know. And so yeah. you're like, oh, come on. And then you realize that's why. I, I distinctly remember there's a point when their faces are really close together and they're having quite an intimate. Do you remember that? Yeah. When there's smoke everywhere? Yeah, yeah, sitting at the By table. then I knew. Okay. So that was uh, the point I when I figured I it out was just before then. Right. Yeah. Then everything that happened after that, it was quite interesting to watch Sarah play off herself. That was a lot of fun, actually. And then she wasn't in the movie anymore, and I sort of lost interest a little bit. Also, is this just something so, so downer about the ending, too? Yeah. I know what they were doing, but it's such a downer anyway. Mm. And also because you figure out the fizzle bomber is him again.
0: Well, <laughs> like, I, that's much one earlier. of the early, really early things, is figuring out that that's the fizzle bomber.
1: <laughs> right. Like, yeah, exactly. You it's know not that even he's the fizzle, fizzle bomber for so, from so much earlier. Yeah. They keep hitting it home too. Noah Taylor going, Oh, but he's done so much for us, and all that stuff. And you're like, We know, we know who it is. Mm-hmm. So that kind of frustrated me a little bit the The way they kept hinting at stuff that was already so obvious to me, yeah. and I don't know when everybody else came on board. Like you came on board a little later than me, but still before. Yeah, all that but still, stuff
0: like well before the bit where Ethan Hawke stands up and you can see the surgery scars. Oh
1: God, and the dung in the music, and I was like, oh my God, really? Yeah,
0: that was like, why are you bothering? We know. Because <laughs> it's that it's that yeah. that
1: frustrated me. I think, and that's one of the other reasons why I didn't buy into it is because they kept telling you over and over again what you already know about yeah i think it would have been fun to come away from the movie with people still going wait that was him yeah i also didn't feel like noah taylor did a particularly good job
0: it was accent i know it sounds so stupid but he can't do the accent so he's just not quite it's you can't you i can't buy him
1: yeah i think there were a lot of things in this movie that didn't quite work to its advantage Mm. and i think Part of that might have, been a budge- might
0: have been budgetary. Yeah, they clearly didn't concerns. have a lot of money, and it was all apart from Ethan Hawke, Australians playing American. I liked the um, the actual time travel device too, which we haven't talked about. Oh, which is yeah. sci fi fun. The um, the the violin case, such a great callback to like early noirs and um, mafia and all that kind of fun stuff. And it has such a great
1: not steampunk. That's not the word I'm thinking of. You know, the that kind of retro futuristic thing. Yeah. That that's always a lot of fun. Like it's that very basic prop and the very basic way that they sort of go, and go. Yeah, um, was a lot of fun as well. Yeah, um, you know that they just did that by like <laughs> by by cutting the
0: keeping the camera in. The, yeah
1: <laughs> keeping the camera and then films. like exploding a couple of things <laughs> and the people run away and then they go <laughs> with some what wind. And hey, that <laughs> is a
0: grand tradition of television film.
1: Well, it's like the way that they always do the um, the um, time freeze. Time freeze is always just everybody standing really yeah. still. <laughs> it makes me happy. I'm all
0: for old school effects.
1: Yeah, and I think I think there was something really nice about the way that the old school effects and the setting time setting of this of this movie kind of worked together. Yeah, there's a lot of things that I think are good about this movie. I basically think give the Spearig brothers millions of dollars and let them do something really.
0: I think they could do something amazing because I almost liked this more than Looper, which is a similar kind of theme. I haven't seen Looper. Right. You still haven't seen Looper. I probably liked this more, though, than okay. Looper, which is the, the closest sort of film this reminded me of. But I thought this was a lot slicker and I liked it a lot
1: more. Looper is what I've seen a bit. Um, it's certainly probably more like that than any other yeah, because I know that he. <laughs> I know what happens in Looper. Yeah. So based on what happens in Looper, I think there's a, definitely a similarity in this one. Mm, a lot. Probably not as uh, exciting or action-y or blowing stuff up I,
0: I think it it hits a lot of my buttons around gender and also the type of films I'm into. So yeah. I guess I, I'm like obviously I'm bringing that baggage to it. Anyway. Shall we
1: give it start? Yes,
0: I'm giving it four. I'm giving it three and a half. Which is, you know, Margaret-ish rating. But I still, I really do think it deserves it. I really like it.
1: Yeah. I, that makes mm. sense
0: for what we've said about it.
1: Yeah, no, fair um, enough. I, again, I liked a lot of things about it, but I just can't, because I can't buy into it. I can't give it any mm-hmm. higher than a three and a half. Fair I enough. It just didn't. Like, it will sit with me as an intellectual concept, but there wasn't that component of, wow, this was amazing that I got when I came out of Stoker. Fair enough. Oh,
0: no, I definitely didn't get that, but I I really did enjoy it and I really do think you should go and see it. If you've listened to all of this and not seen it yet, well, I hope we've convinced you, I guess. (laughs) Oh, dear. Can I wrap up now? Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, okay, cool. No, that's right. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you want to read our show notes, not that there are any because we don't do any research, you can find them on silverscreenqueens.com. We have a Twitter at Screen underscore Queens, where you can see Katie very bravely taking on the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. My hair is still wet. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Silver Screen Queens, where I think you might see Katie doing the Ice Bucket Challenge again and my slightly dodgy filming of it. You can find us on Tumblr, tumblr tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com and you can read Katie's review of predestination and anything else that she watches on silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com thank you for listening bye see you next time